Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Shane. I'm excited for our time together today. It's September. Fall is officially here. Like a lot of you, my wife and I are navigating what school looks like from home with our kiddos. We have a second grader, a kindergartner, and a preschooler at home. And our time together as a family, uh, all of our kids are at different spots and what they're learning and growing. But one thing is consistent, um, and that is trying to teach our kids how to listen. Uh, My son especially, man, I love him. so active, so focused on whatever he's doing in the moment. And there's been times recently, uh, a lot of times it's where he's playing with one of his sisters and um, he's being a little bit aggressive. He's just, he's being a boy. He's being a little bit rough and doesn't recognize his own strength. And it's kind of throwing his body around. And I'm trying to get to his, his attention. I'm trying to get him to listen, to focus on me. And also I'll say his name, Declan, no response. Declan. I'm like 10 feet away. So this is not a huge schasm between us. And I just get a little bit louder each time. Declan, Declan. And then pretty soon I'm, I'm raising my voice and yelling and he, he kind of snaps his head over like, what, what dad? Oh, I didn't realize you were there. I'm like, bud, did you hear me saying your name? He's like, no. I'm like, how is that physically possible? Like we just had your ears checked not that long ago. Everything is good. Like how could you possibly not hear me saying your name? And I get frustrated sometimes as a dad trying to communicate and get my kids attention. And and then I kind of like pause and take a step back and realize, oh, how often do I do the same thing with my kids or with my wife? Like I hear them, but I'm not listening necessarily. I'm distracted by the news feed on my phone, uh, something on social media, an article I'm reading, sports, I'll be honest, now that football is here, hopefully that doesn't get canceled as well. But lots of things that are distracting me, whether it's the the device in my hand or just a thought on my mind. I'm thinking about a, a project that I'm working on. I'm thinking about a conversation I need to have, something that's that's worrying me or bothering me. And and I'm, I'm like there, I'm, I'm hearing, but I'm not fully listening. And, and I recognize the, the distraction that it creates in my heart, the kind of the, the fracturedness in my relationships and my focus with my family. But also when I pause and think about it, man, each of those distractions is also an influence in my life. Some of them are positive, good influences. Others, man, they, they produce anxiety. They produce fear or worry. They produce apprehension, maybe something on a, on a news feed or on social media. And then I start to think about my life and, and who I want to be. I want to be someone who's peaceful in my relationships. I want my, my life to be full of joy. I want to have a sense of, of purpose and, and passion about what God's called me to. Like, this is like the outcome, the output that I want in my life. But then I have to look and say, okay, well, the, the input, what's influencing me, what's coming into my, my mind, what's impacting my emotions, my decision-making is the input leading to the output that I desire to be more loving in my relationships, to be more patient, more gentle with those I'm closest to. And I wonder if you were to take a similar inventory of your life and think about what's the desired output, the outcome of your life. What do you you have plans and and purpose and passion around? What trajectory do you desire for your life? And then think about the influences, thinking about the input that's coming in, that's impacting that output. And if we want the trajectory, the output to change, 
then the input needs to change who we're listening to and how we listen. And it might not surprise you, but as a follower of Jesus, I believe we are called to listen to Jesus. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're living and learning what it means to come after him, to follow his example with your life. That, that might not be a new concept, but there might be an opportunity to, to learn, to grow in listening better or listening more intently. Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're just looking, you're, you're curious, who, who is Jesus? What difference and impact would he really make in my life? And, and the question is, well, what even like makes him worth listening to? Like what makes him relevant in my life with the challenges that I'm facing? Well, stay with me and I think you'll see. We're picking up in Luke chapter nine. Luke writes this accurate historical account of Jesus, his life, what he did. And we're coming off a really critical moment, a conversation that Jesus has with his 12 closest followers, his disciples, where they accurately confess that he is the Messiah, the savior that God sent into the world. And Jesus for the first time tells them, that he's going to go to Jerusalem. His life is going to be laid down on the cross, but he's going to resurrect from the, from the dead on the third day. And that if they would come after him, they have to man, deny themselves, pick up their own cross daily and follow him. This is what Richie preached about last weekend. It was such an encouraging and, and really founding conversation to, to root our lives upon that spark starts in the spot of confession and confession leads to conviction. So this, this moment, Luke chapter nine, picking up in verse 28 really is coming on the heels of that conversation that Jesus has with the 12. And, and this is now a moment where he has an even more intimate, a more private moment with three of those 12, Peter, James, and John. And here's what it says, picking up in verse 28, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the, the appearance of his face was transformed. Jesus is changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus, like his departure from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So it's not coincidental that Luke gives us the exact time where he says about eight days later in, in, in Jewish culture, Jewish thinking eight days, the eighth day was a day of new beginning. It was, it was the reason why the, the Jewish people would, would circumcise a, a newborn boy on the eighth day that, that he'd been born. It's just symbolizing Jesus saying, hey, I'm, I'm ushering in a new kingdom, a new way, a new people. So this is eight days after this critical conversation with his 12 disciples that he goes up for this private moment with three of those 12. And his, 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 his entire appearance is, is changed. His face is changed. His, his clothing is changed. And these two men, Moses and Elijah, representing the, the law and the prophets. Moses, the one that God used to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And then he gave the written law and these stone tablets through the, the law that revealed his, his nature, his character, his will for his chosen people, Israel. And then Elijah, who was a prophet and really kind of representative, almost of the, the leader of these group of people called prophets that God would use to speak to his people at critical moments in their history to call them back into his in relationship with him. These two men show up 
And they're talking with Jesus about his upcoming death on the cross, burial in the grave and resurrection from the grave to defeat sin and death. This is the conversation, the moment that is happening. And it says, Peter and the others had fallen asleep. Like it's hard to imagine. How could you fall asleep in a moment like this? Well, when God's manifest glory was revealed, it, it's described almost with this weightiness, like a heaviness that would come upon you and it could almost like put you to sleep. There was moments when God's glory would fill the tabernacle where God's people worship this, this tent that they carried around with them as God led them through the wilderness or when God's presence filled the temple that was built in Jerusalem. It was so thick, so heavy that Moses or the priests couldn't even enter into that place, into the tabernacle or into the temple because God's presence was so heavy upon that place. Well, his glory apparently puts Peter, James, and John to this like sleep, this heaviness just like overwhelms them. But when they wake up, they saw Jesus' glory. And the two men are standing there with him. And as Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what to say, he blurts out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters, three tents as memorials. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter's like, I'm ready to respond. God, would this be helpful? Here's what I'm ready to do. But listen, because even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadows them. Again, God's presence, God's glory overshadows them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. You got to love Peter. He's blurts out without even thinking like, Jesus, I'm going to build these tents. Would this be helpful in this moment? And, and the response is, is this cloud that overshadows God's glory, God's presence, just covering them. Almost saying, Peter, that's, that's, that's great. You, you are in the right spot, but right now is not a time to move and act right now is a time to listen, Peter. Because here's what it says next. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son. This is God, the father speaking about Jesus. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. And they, the disciples, didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Though they kept it quiet to themselves in this moment, both Peter and John later on, when they write to early followers of Jesus in the first century, they both reference this very moment where they saw Jesus' glory revealed in such an incredible way. And this, this statement that God the Father makes about his son is, is a very purposeful statement. It's, it's full of imagery that we might miss, but Peter, James, and John, these men who had grown up in the Jewish faith, Jewish tradition, right away, there would have been light bulbs going off as they heard these words. See, God, the father says, this is my son. That's a direct quote from Psalm Two, which is a psalm about the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world that God was sending to redeem his people. He says, this is my son. That would have been, boom, light bulb number one, Psalm 2. He says, my, he is my chosen one. That would have been a direct reference to Isaiah, another prophet like Elijah, Isaiah 42 is this chapter that describes the servant of the Lord. Again, the long-awaited Messiah, the savior of the world. He says, this is my chosen one. Boom, light bulb number two. And then it says, listen 
to him. This is the command from God in this, in this moment, listen to Jesus. And that was actually a direct quote from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, when Moses spoke to his people, the people of Israel and said, in the future, God will send and raise up a prophet like me to deliver you. But where God used me to deliver you from physical slavery in, in Egypt and, and deliver you from bondage there, this prophet that will come will be greater than I am. Listen to him because Jesus didn't just come to deliver you from physical bondage, from physical slavery, but he came to deliver from a greater need. The the spiritual bondage that we all have to sin and brokenness in our hearts. Jesus came to set us free, to open blind eyes, to release the captives. And God, the father is saying, listen to him. So all of these three Statements here are coming together in one moment. It's like a bright neon flashing sign to the disciples and to us saying, this is the guy. This is Jesus. Peter, you just confessed it a few days ago. I'm going to remind you and I'm going to display my glory in such an amazing way that it would be undeniable for you to see who Jesus is. He is full of God's glory, full of God's purpose and, and, and his, his life is laid down as this offering. And when John writes about Jesus, about this moment, here's what he says. He says, so the word Jesus became human and made his home among us. He came and dwelt among us. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John is, is going back to this moment. Like I've seen the glory of Jesus. Paul, another leader in the early church who was bent on destroying the work of Jesus, destroying the early church. He has an encounter. He sees and God's glory is revealed to him. And he begins to lead and to plant churches and to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus everywhere he goes. And here's what he writes about Jesus. In Colossians 1, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Listen to this about Jesus. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Jesus is supreme over all. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Paul's saying there's a physical, visible world that we can see and an unseen spiritual world that we can't see. Jesus created all of it. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Wow. Such an amazing statement of his authority, of his power. He says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. This is why Jesus came to reconcile all of creation back into God's intended design before sin and death corrupted him. He came to reconcile everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross, his blood that was shed on the cross, his life laid down to reconcile you to God. He says, this includes you 
who were once far away from God. Every single one of us were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Listen to this. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Jesus has all authority. His authority is established in this moment as his glory is revealed, as, as God the Father speaks from this cloud that overshadows him. He, he has all authority and he is good and he loves you. He came he was willing to give up his rights as God. He humbled himself, came, lived a perfect life, laid down that life as, a, as an offering, as a, as a sacrifice on the cross so that you and I could be reconciled, be brought back into relationship with God, that we could stand before him, listen, without a single fault. So because Jesus has all authority, because he is good, because he loves you, this is what makes him worth listening to. Because there is not a single area of our lives that he does not have authority to speak into. There's not, there's not a single area of your life that he doesn't care about because he loves you and he is for you. We are to listen to Jesus. If we want to change the output of our lives, we have to change the input, which is listening to Jesus. His words, his words give life. His, his words fill you and, and set you on a trajectory of purpose and plans that he has for you. There's this moment where Jesus is teaching and people are challenged by his teaching because he refuses just to kind of meet the physical needs. He wants to get to the deeper spiritual matter in their hearts and they begin to leave and wander away because his teaching is difficult to understand. It's challenging. And he asks his disciples, Hey, are you going to leave too? And listen to what Peter says in the end of John six, Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, your words give life. We're not going anywhere. Jesus' words give life. We listen to his words through his written words, scripture, the Bible. We listen to him through prayer, conversation, speaking and listening, allowing God to speak to our hearts. We listen to him through other believers. That's why relationship is so important that we listen and say, hey, I think God is speaking to, to me. Would you, would you confirm this or, or help me navigate this? Does this sound like God's voice, God's heart to you? And I want to really talk about not just how we listen, the different channels, but really the, the purpose and the posture of our listening. I want to start with posture. When we listen to Jesus, we have to listen with humility. Humility is so important when it comes to hearing Jesus speak and lead our lives. It means like when I approach Jesus to spend time with him and his word to hear from him, I approach with the assumption that there is an area of my life that God wants to speak into and not just agree with me and affirm what I already think, what I already kind of have decided in my brain, but actually to believe that God, there's, there's maybe an area that you want to bring correction that you want to bring a deeper understanding. You want to reveal yourself in a new way. I recognize that you're lead, you are my leader. I am the follower. You are God. I am not. I am humbled before you. We listen with humility. That's the posture of our hearts as we listen to Jesus. And the purpose is, is that we listen with obedience in mind. Meaning this, that when I say yes to Jesus, when you and I say yes to follow Jesus, to to living out according to his will, his plans, his purposes in our lives. He is Lord. 
which means it is an irrevocable yes to every step of faith, every step of obedience that he would call me to take. I don't wait and decide if I agree with it, if I like it, if it feels good. I trust that he has my best interests at heart because he's good, because he loves me, because his words give life. I think sometimes we're, we're waiting to hear from God. We're waiting for direction, for clarity on something. And God has already spoken. He's already called us to take a step of obedience. And he's not going to give us the next step until we already take the step that he's told us to take. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and she sensed for a while that she's ready to be baptized. This is, baptism is the first step of obedience for every single one of us who would follow after Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, that we have it all figured out, but it's saying, God, I want to make this a pattern in my life that when you speak, when you reveal through your word, that baptism is is a step of faith and a step of obedience. I'm going to say yes to you. And and this friend, she's, she's looking for clarity, direction from God and in a big decision in her life. And we were having a conversation go, Hey, I, I wonder if God is waiting to reveal that purpose until you take the step of obedience that he's already told you to take. Is there something God's already told you to do that you haven't yet done? We listen with humility. We listen with obedience. And then we listen to be transformed transformation. That's the output that we all desire, right? We want to be more peaceful, more loving. We want to be more passionate. We want, we want to have lives that make an impact. We want to have a sense of purpose. We listen to be transformed. As Jesus came to reveal the glory of God, he also came to make you fully alive in him so he could reveal his glory in your life and through your life. But there's old inputs. There's bad inputs. There's old voices, current voices that are just simply not true, that are actually leading you away from God's design. And Jesus in his love wants to come replace those wrong voices, those wrong thoughts with his life giving truth. For example, maybe you heard from a parent or someone in authority over you that you'll never amount to anything because maybe they thought that was the best way to motivate you. That's, that's the old thoughts. Well, Jesus says you are my masterpiece and I have good works prepared specifically for you and for your life. Maybe friends have told you, hey, your your value, your worth is determined in your physical attractiveness and how much you can make others desire you. Jesus says, you are redeemed. You are pure in my eyes and you are worthy of love. You've told yourself, I should read my Bible and I should pray so God will, will like me and God will bless my life. Jesus says, I love spending time with you. I want to speak to you. I want to reveal myself to you. I have plans and purposes for your life that will lead you to the best life possible. The life I came to give you, a life that is rich and satisfying. The world says, pick your camp and agenda and tear down anyone who disagrees with you. Tolerate only those who share your convictions. But Jesus Jesus has a different narrative. Jesus says, I am sending you to love and to serve this lost, broken and hurting world to show them a better way than division and hate to show them that my kingdom is one where we love our enemies and that every person is created with immense value 
as someone made in God's image, whether they agree with you or not. This is the life of transformation. As we listen to Jesus, we are transformed. In the same way that he was transformed, transfigured on that mountain, he transforms us to reflect his glory. Paul writes about this moment. I love the way he, he phrases this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, there is nothing between us and God. No longer any barrier because Jesus' blood has been poured out. There's no separation between us and God through faith in his life laid down on the cross. There's no, nothing between us and God. He says, our faces shining with the brightness of his face, reflecting his glory. And so we are transfigured, literally transformed. It's the same word that says Jesus was transformed, transfigured before them. It says we are transfigured much like the Messiah counting back to this moment on the mountaintop. It says our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And as we listen to Jesus, we are transformed into his likeness. His heart becomes our hearts. We are equipped to love and serve the world around us. To represent Jesus in every sphere of relationship. In every area of life that he might put you. We're transformed to make an impact. Transformed to love and to show this world a different picture than what they're being told and what the narrative is written. We bring God glory when we live this way. When you and I are humble enough to listen to Jesus, to allow him to transform our lives. This is what Paul talks about when he says, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. It's changing the way you think. It's changing the inputs. It's listening to Jesus with humility and obedience. He brings about this transformation. God is glorified through our lives. We reflect him to the world around us. That is a life of purpose. That is a life full of potential. That is a life lived intentionally with this masterpiece mission that God has for you. And all of this starts with listening to Jesus. So today you can begin just in your own hearts of saying, Hey, I need to come under Jesus and his leadership Allow him to lead and direct my thinking, my emotions, my motivation towards his plan and his purpose. Or you've, you've already been listening to Jesus, but you recognize, hey, I need to kind of come back to center. I need to allow his truth to not just be one voice among many, but to be the foundation that my life is built upon. The life-giving truth that he has for me. I need to grow in listening to Jesus and recognizing his voice and allowing him to change me, to transform me for his purposes, for his glory. We want to walk with you. Whatever next step God's calling you to take, whatever that step of obedience is for you to take today, you can text us. You can go on our website. There's so many next steps that God can be leading you to take today. And we want to walk with you. I want to pray and then we're going to respond together. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We believe and confess that you are God, that you have all authority. God, that you are in control and that you see us, you know us, you love us, God. 
And you want to lead us to the best life possible. God, you create us to reflect your glory. God, in the same way you revealed your glory on that mountaintop with these three. God, you want to continue to display your glory to this lost, hurting, and broken world, God. And you've chosen to use us. God, so as we submit to you, as we surrender to you, God, as we just give all of our lives, God, as these living sacrifices, God, we ask that you would transform us, God, for your purposes, for your glory, God. That you would help us to listen to you, to be led by you. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.